Welcome to Nice Jewish Fangirls, presented by JewishCoffeeHouse.com. Nice Jewish Fangirls is a podcast where three Orthodox women discuss all of the geeky, nerdy, wonderful, amazing, just niche things that we are currently obsessed with. My name is Michal Schick, and I am your host, and I am joined by my co-hosts, Essam Rosenberg. Hello. And Tamar Herman. Hi. Today, I think inspired by the fact that uh, Sm and I both spent, God forever too many hours at the HGB <laughs> university college graduation stupid number of hours this, this past week oh dear and I, you know i can't judge because i i i graduated from stern and my family sat through it uh but yes that is a lengthy graduation uh my my graduation from sarah lawrence was much more dignified <laughs> and a lot shorter uh but yeah we have graduations on our mind cuz it's it's almost june we're like getting into the you know, summer spirit, even though it's just freezing outside and raining, and I don't even know what's going on. It won't stop. It's either too hot or it's raining. Yeah, I'd rather it be too hot. Bring on the too I'd hot. Rather... It no, is... I'd rather the rain. I'd rather be cold than hot oh. any day. No. No. I don't know. They're both bad options. I want a third option. <laughs> I'd rather be inside in the air conditioner under my blanket. That's pretty much what I've been doing. No, I don't want that because then I have to pay for my AC bill. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Just pack ice in around you and then snuggle <laughs> under your blanket. Lots of ice packs. So we'll be talking about finales and endings today. But of course, as usual, we're going to start off with our current obsessions. Uh, Tamar, why don't you go first? Because you have one that I think we will be uh, revisiting before long. Uh, probably. I got to see Wonder Woman the other day. Uh, I got a ticket to a preview. Actually, thanks to Michal, but Michal couldn't end up coming, so I went with somebody else. Um, you're a really good sister, Michal, for not going without your your sister. I am, for the uh, record. I, I couldn't go because my sister could not make it at that time, and she invoked, I think, the principles of sisterhood, feminism, and Judaism to uh, encourage me not to see it without her. So I would probably have invoked those same things to be like, I'm going to see Wonder Woman early. <laughs> if, my, if my sister tried to pull that. I didn't go with my sister. I'm with my friend. Anyway, so we went to Hoboken and we waited online and we were super anxious that we wouldn't get inside and we did and it was honestly, like, if you had listened to our episode a few weeks ago about Wonder Woman and how nervous we were and how I was like, probably not gonna be good maybe it's gonna be about chris pine's character steve trevor it wasn't it was absolutely amazing like the theater was cheering throughout there were so many good moments it was the best movie i i, I have never sat through a dc movie before i i've haven't seen any in theater i don't know why i just like haven't and uh i didn't finish Man of Steel. I never watched Superman versus Batman, and I didn't finish watching Suicide Squad. Like, I just have not had a good run with DC, even though I love superhero movies. And this was amazing. It was phenomenal. Gal Gadot is the queen. Like, we should just give her a thousand Wonder Woman movies, or not, because then you'll end up in the Fast and the Furious thing, and that's just bad. But um, she was so good. I really think that having a female director and a female lead actress was the right move for this. I know the the screenplay wasn't written by a woman, but I think they were like Pat Patty Jenkins, right? 
Uh, yes. Um, yeah, that's the new Yeah, Patty director. Jenkins. Uh, Patty Jenkins was really able to pull the whole thing together and kind of make make Diana played by Gall as the like uber representation of what a woman is in in this day and age and any day and age like we're both uh, soft and tough and intelligent and strong and the strengths of Diana are clearly very physical but they're also very much emotional which is typically what's considered the main thing that sets men and women apart is emotional intelligence um correct me if i'm wrong people of twitter but they did a really <laughs> good job of i was just i'm in the middle of writing a review actually i'm just pausing to to record this podcast and i was just finished a line that was pretty much every single explosion was countered by a moment of emotional growth or a moment that where diana is pretty much explaining how she's different as a woman who is raised on an island with no men and like there's all these really great one-liners where she's just like why do men think women have to be like that oh my gosh it's so funny and it's so on the ball like the theater was just cheering every time she'd say something like what do you mean that like <sighs> i don't want to spoil it i'm not gonna say it okay but there's all these really strong moments where like it could be a damsel in the distress situation but it never is and and yeah no like they definitely have like there's some sexual tension but it never becomes the the sexual tension is the thing she's not she's sexy but she's not sexualized and that really could have I think would have would have been a problem if a male director had directed this movie um everything's done really well like the romance is like a little like romance novel-y like oh of course like it's very nice but there's no moment of the movie like there were the biggest complaint we had of this movie was that there's a scene where Diana is uh, showing off her uh, language skills her linguistic skills that she can speak a hundred languages and she doesn't speak Hebrew but she speaks like six other ones and we're, we're all me and my friend were just like what the heck like this is such a good opportunity <laughs> and that was literally our biggest complaint about this movie which I think is insane I am super critical and I, I like <laughs> literally went into this movie thinking this is gonna be horrible and just hoping that it wasn't gonna be like I've been like crying my eyes out like Gal Gadot is so amazing and it really lived up to that and I feel really badly because I'm hyping it up and but by the time this is out people probably will have seen it already or about to see it but like it really was that good and I think they really did that good of a job and it's really really hard to like not tell everybody about how amazing it was and to talk about everything that happened and I'm really excited for them to hopefully make a second movie. Not so sure if I care so much about Justice League, but I guess I have to see that now because I really think this is amazing. So go see Wonder Woman. Well, okay. I mean, that's <laughs> awesome because also, like, I, I, you know, we've seen a couple movies together. Like, we saw Rogue One together, and I, I got yeah. out of that, like, I still have complicated feelings, but significantly more odd than you were. And, like... So I was really expecting you to text me, like, oh, it wasn't good or whatever. So I messaged you, like, in trepidation, like, how was it? Like, do I even want to know? And, like, Tamar just, as you can imagine, exploded <laughs> in, in joy. And, but that's amazing, though, because I, I think that, you know, usually the way, the way, I mean, aside, obviously, from all of the, you know, the, the pressures and the expectations and everything that... that is created on, you know, because we get one superhero movie about a woman, but I'm really glad to hear that, like, this could be 
you know, the the thing that draws in a bigger audience to DC movies. I mean, like, I know they ha- they, they do fine at the box office because they're, they're superhero movies. But, like, I really, I, I haven't seen any of them and don't plan to except for Wonder Woman and maybe any subsequent movies that she's in. Uh, and maybe, you know, if, if they interest me going from there. But I'm not going to go back and see Suicide Squad. I'm definitely not going to watch Batman versus Superman. That's, that's... I have zero interest in in that, but I'm really glad that that the idea that you seem to think that like people can be inspired by that. Like I think that you know every subsequent Marvel movie has tried to do that. You know has tried to like draw more people in um, for those reasons. Even though kind of the scope has gotten narrower and narrower because you need to know so much about the the universe that they created. But like yeah, no, I really hope that it's like. Oh, and, I mean, and our audience has just grown because, oh my god, women see movies. Yeah, so I mean, not I, I don't expect everyone to like it. There were some, there were some like, m- small things that I was just like, this is kind of stupid, but everything that was kind of stupid, they kind of made it work. Like, there's a reason she's responding the way she was. Like, they really did a good job. I, I know we're trying to, like, do a limit, but, like, she really, they really did a good job kind of giving enough time to show her her history, like her family, her emotional depth, and also showing why she's such a powerful figure and how she decide, like makes her decisions. It's not just she's a strong, like she's a superhero, so she's gonna punch walls and she's gonna save the world. Like they really explore why is she going to save the world? And the whole movie is framed by Diana in Paris in the modern times. And I think uh, Bruce Wayne, uh, sends her a picture that reminds her of their past. And the whole movie is about her exploring her past and how she became Wonder Woman. It's an origin story. And they really did a good job showing how this little girl from a, the Amazonian island became Wonder Woman and why she decides to save the world. And there's this whole inner monologue at the end that I kind, kind of found cheesy about like love and strength and whatever, but it also really worked. And and I saw, I just was looking at um, some tweets uh, that people had of reactions to seeing it. And someone compared her to Christopher Reeves of Superman, who, like, makes you actually believe that this character could be real and could be someone who, like, isn't just playing a cartoon character. Like, you could actually understand why Wonder Woman is a icon. And not just a feminist icon, but, like, a human icon. Like, why she is somebody that people sh- around the world have looked up to for 76 years. And... They just killed it, and it's so good. <laughs> well, I, but you also I, might not like it, so I'm really nervous. <laughs> I, I mean, but I know you're really picky. Like one of the <laughs> things that I, I said to a friend, you know, like so a friend of mine saw it, and like she's normally really picky, and she really liked it, so maybe it won't suck. Maybe. Yeah, I, I, I'm really. Uh, I, I mean, I'm still trying to go in with like as little. Um, still try to keep my expectations neutral because like a lot of people liked say Avengers 1 you know and I thought it was really dumb so um you might not yeah like I have this. I have better given the specifics that you've mentioned you know without being spoilery mm-hmm. you've mentioned specifics and given those specifics I think that I will enjoy it so like there's some really silly things that aren't really silly but they're just like eh, whatever okay we'll roll with it but they like work and there's really cool graphics her with her lasso is the coolest thing i've seen since i saw guardians of the galaxy 2 with the arrow which was like last week so that's not saying much but um it's very they do a really good job on like imposing wonder woman into world war one europe and it's just really good 
Awesome. Well, I think we'll definitely be having a review episode coming up uh, when we all get a chance to see that. And I'm, I'm very excited. So, SM, what is your current obsession? Okay, so my current obsession is Person of Interest, which I have been marathoning on Netflix. Um, I actually started it, like, probably six months ago, at least. Um, and I... It, it, it starts out, like, very much episodic and standalone episodes and just, you know, your case of the week um, with tiny little bits of an arc planted here and there, but it never, re- you know, really grabbed me, and I didn't find, you know, I didn't find the dialogue that great, and, like, the main character's acting, he's, like, he acts like he knows he's in a TV show, and it just always bothered me. Um, so the more characters that they've brought in... Um, once I got back into the show, because I took a break at around, like, after season two, and I took a break to watch something lighter, because it was, like, the world was very dark at that point, and I was just like, I do not need any more dark in my fiction, so I went and I watched some Brainless Fluff for a while, and then I watched Babylon 5, and then I came back to Person of Interest after I finished Babylon 5, and, um, it's really picked up. Um, they add more characters and they add more members to their team. Um, and there's just, there's more dynamics and going on. And then, um, the arc really kicks into gear. Um, I can summarize the basic idea of the show, uh, as it's presented in the beginning is that, um, there's this guy named Harold and he has created a machine that, um, watches over everything and everyone and uses all kinds of surveillance um, to keep track of everything. And it is designed to stop um, major terrorist attacks. Um, And that's what it's for. And it tells the government where to, you know, where to go to to counteract any, you know, huge uh, threats to national security. Uh, And it... And it, it doesn't respond to like any commands. It just it it just reports, you know, strictly. It's a strictly closed system, and it can't be hacked, and it, and whatever. It just it's it does its business, and uh, and yeah. But then there's also there it it detects all kinds of crimes. So not just the big crimes. It also detects the small crimes but the way it was built was that it's supposed to focus on the big crimes so it only gives the government information about the big crimes to stop those and then the rest are shuttered off as irrelevant and then they're sent to like a file and then they're deleted um and so those crimes never get stopped by the machine uh but the uh the guy who created the machine harold um who has been figured out a way Yes, who has been from Lost. This show started, like, right after Lost ended. Um, it's And it's about five seasons long, I think. Um, and it, it went off the air, like, a year or two ago, and now it's on Netflix, and that's where I'm watching it. Anyway, so Harold figured out how to communicate with the machine, um, and he manages to get the, uh, the social security numbers of the people in the cases that have been flagged as irrelevant. Um, and he gets them before they're deleted. And then he and um, his he recruits this um, former CIA agent, um, John Reese. That's his his name that he goes by. But of course, it's not his real name. Um, you never know his real name, probably. And you and and so he's his, his like 
Harold the Brains and uh, and Reese is the Brawn, and Reese is sent on all these missions to protect um, the people who are flagged in these cases. Um, and the machine doesn't say whether the person, uh, whether the number is the perpetrator or the victim, but um, it just means that something bad is going to happen around them, either to them or being committed by them. So Reese generally tails them for a while, and then you find out all this, you know, this mystery unravels, and you find out, you know, whether they're the victim or whether they're going to kill somebody, and, you know, they eventually generally stop whatever is going to happen. Um, and it's a, you know, it's a fun premise, and, um, you know, if you don't mind, you know, watching the same thing kind of thing over and over again, it's fine. Um, I, like I said, I didn't get into the characters so much in the beginning, and I didn't find the dialogue so great, but um, as it gets going, where I'm at right now, like, I, I would say that, like, by the time I got to, like, halfway through season three, it just becomes, like, an infinitely better show, you know, like, I kind of want to tell people that you should start halfway through season three, like, you shouldn't even bother with the early seasons, but they all do plant things for later. So I don't know if you can really skip them, but really it just, it gets to be a much, much better show in my opinion um, around halfway through season three. And now I'm like just zipping through season four um, and I'm probably almost at season five at this point. Um, And it's just, it's gotten much better. There has been like a real serious villain has been introduced um, and the machine has basically developed its own personality um, and it's doing battle with this, with this other villain um, on its own terms. And like, it gets really intense and really high stakes and I'm very much enjoying it. Um, And the new characters that have been introduced, I enjoy them also. And I like all the, the dynamics, um, are very entertaining now and yeah so that's where i'm at right now i don't know if it's going to keep going you know keep up all the way through you know season five it's going to manage to maintain this kind of level of tension and quality but um i'm enjoying it and that's my current obsession yeah that's one of those shows that i did watch the pilot um and was also a little bit turned off by the proceduralism of it and then you know kind of didn't pay attention to it and then people were like i guess around season three like oh my god this is the show is amazing and like they have some great characters and um yeah i've heard i've heard a lot of really good stuff about it and i know a lot of people were really sad when it was uh canceled slash ended um yeah i don't know tamar have you ever seen it uh no i remember being vaguely interested in it because i was intrigued by the actor actor i watched lost so ben linus yeah. of course Same. but but then I, I i don't really watch procedurals all that often i do like procedurals but i also like the characters are basically the core of the procedural for me and that's what you know makes it interesting and in the beginning like the characters just weren't doing it for me. I'm sure they did it for, you know, plenty of other people. They just weren't my cup of tea. And so once they introduced other characters, that's when I started enjoying it a lot more. Cool, cool. Well, my uh, my current obsession is another um, television thing. Um, and I've been meaning to talk about this for a while, but 
it's The Handmaid's Tale, which is on Hulu. Ah! And, yeah. <laughs> ah, no spoilers. Indeed. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, obviously it's based off of Margaret Atwood's um, novel, and what, of which I have read about half, maybe two-thirds, um, on audiobook. And I kind of stopped listening to it because it was it was so depressing, uh, even though it was incredibly brilliant. And, and I did not expect the level of commentary I expected the commentary on the on the you know Gilead and the and the the futuristic dystopian world I didn't expect the amount of commentary she would include on like current life you know and how messed up a lot of the way people treat women is um and and I was yeah really kind of shaken by that in a good way but yeah so I can you give an example um, yeah. Like, or is it too spoilery? Well, no, no, I mean, like, things... So, for example, like, one of the, um... And I think this is in the show, but one of the, the, the aunts, the women who are teaching, you know, the, the future handmaids when they're in the Red Center, which is where they're being indoctrinated slash re-educated about, you know, what their lives are going to be now, says that there are two types of freedom. So there's freedom to and there's freedom from. And... They used to live in a world that was freedom too, so like you could do anything you wanted and sleep around and blah blah blah. But the price of that was that you were objectified and you were catcalled and you were raped and you know all of these things that that happen in a patriarchal society, even with you know the more freedoms that we have now. Um, so and you know so it's it's that it's that kind of thing. And she's like, so now it's so much better because you will live without any of those any of those fears, you know. Um, and so, yeah, so I started watching the show and it's really like, I mean, I think it's personally for me, the most important show about women that I've personally ever watched. I, you know, it's just profoundly, uh, I mean, it's, it's awful to, to see a lot of it is very, very brutal and very not, not like, um, you know, not, not violent in the physical sense, but it's very emotionally violent, and the implications of a lot of what happens is terrifying and um, very traumatic. tragic and traumatic, yeah. But, you know, it's a show that's shot in... They use a lot of slow motion, they use a lot of very tight close-ups, a lot of, like, detail, and, like, it's an exhausting show to watch because you have to pay attention to what's going on. Like, and, and by that, it means, like, somebody's talking to Offred, the main character, and you have to see whether or not she blinks, or, like, whether there's a tiny hint of tears in her eyes, or, like, if her fingers twitch. Like, that is important information that the show is giving you. And I found that such, like, kind of such a, a feminine way of approaching the material, you know? Like, just that intense focus on detail, um as opposed to necessarily, like, there are some grand shots as well, but, like, it's much more about, like, the, the, the minor, the, like, subtle level of, yeah, of of what's happening, um, and, you know, within that context, the, the greater plot of the story, which they've also kind of changed and, and expanded in really interesting ways, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, absolutely loving it and uh, but it's it's quite intense to watch it's definitely the type of thing where like you need I, I mean I've needed anyway I've needed a break between every episode I like have not been able to binge it at all because 
you're just you're going through the emotional ringer and you know i mean and it is very obviously kind of relevant to modern events but like i i don't feel like that's the only important thing about it you know i think it's just a very powerful show about the female experience and the way women respond to um you know movements in society so yeah that's kind of a downer but (laughs) that's my current obsession it's kind of like the uh the antidote to all the wonder woman enthusiasm (laughs) well i mean it's nice that they're both happening at once that you can get that kind of diversity of approach you know i feel like i saw the first episode of the handmaid's tale and i haven't really wanted to watch more of it but i probably will because i feel like i have to but i feel like based on what i saw of both that the handmaid's tale is like all about the bad things about being a woman and Wonder Woman's uh, not like not about those things but it's also kind of like well those things are dumb it's, like, it's, it's actually not, it's, not. It's, like it does it do, like I, I would say that the first three episodes mm-hmm. are very brutal in that way um, but there are also real moments of strength and and surprise and you know personality that that I think it's it is a lot of it's very complicated like there you know i mean i assume that there's you know there are ways of fighting back within the system otherwise it would just be like really depressing to watch yes <laughs> i mean no spoilers <laughs> but like um it would just and, get and worse even... and worse and then you'd be like why am i watching this where's the forward momentum <laughs> but you know like even even the uh even if there aren't you know, even if you can't fight the system, there are still ways to to fight, you know, and to preserve, you know, your own humanity. And and I find that a very powerful theme in the show. Obviously, I'm not done yet, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know how it's going to end. I'm on episode... I finished episode seven, so, like, the last three might be more of a mirror of the beginning and, you know, kick things into high traumatizing gear, but... Yeah, I, I really do highly recommend it. I think it's very, um, it's important. It's an important show. It gets, it gets things. It's only on Hulu, right? It is only on Hulu. Yeah. Um, but you can sign up for like a 30 day trial and, um, watch it that way. Oh, I signed up for that. I should probably watch it before it goes away. (laughs) That's also how I watch The Good Place, by the way. (laughs) Well, the good place is actually it's all up on uh, NBC's website right now. So yes, but then you have to watch commercials, <laughs> and when you pay yeah. for Hulu, you don't have to watch commercials. And they're I'm not, not so about much. Commercials. <laughs> they're not that many commercials. I don't like Just commercials. A note to the audience that <laughs> it's not so bad. You can do it. <laughs> cool, cool. So moving on. Um, unless there's anything anyone else wanted to say, have you watched it, SM? The Handmaid's Tale? Yeah. No, I have not. Um, I've just, you know, heard about it, and I've seen, you know, obviously the very haunting pictures. Um, but no, I haven't. Uh, I haven't watched it, and I haven't read the book, and I'm debating, do I want to read the book before I watch the series, or the other way around? What would you recommend? Um, you know, I think they're both enjoyable. The book is much smaller in scope, like the the show expands its its 
lens a lot, you know, whereas Margaret Atwood yeah, is really... Yeah, so I won't feel... Yeah. Yeah. So, she, like, I won't feel like it's it's a repeat of everything, because it's, you know, it's broader. It's definitely not a beat-for-beat beat repeat at all. There's a lot of stuff that um, happens quite late in the book that happens pretty early in the show. So, yeah. It's a very interesting um, adaptation in that way. Cool. Yeah. But since uh, we were like, hang on, we have to record today because it's Shavuos this week, uh, and um, SM came up with the idea of finales and graduations, um, I'm going to let you start this one, SM. How, what, what is your kind of central graduation idea that, that has stuck with you, or, or finale? Um, or... Well, I was mostly just thinking of like different finales that, you know have stuck with me for good and bad reasons because um, I feel like finales tend to evoke strong emotion in people and like tomorrow we were discussing this before and like she was like ah, I don't really hold on to that stuff and it's like I don't know if I hold on to it very much either but it's still like something that you remember when you look back on you know on a show um, if it had a good finale you remember that um, and I would say that one of the finales um, that really sticks with me um, is actually is not the actual Babylon 5 finale, but it was written um, as a finale for season four when they were renewed for season five. So the original finale for season five was moved to the end of it was moved. It was moved from the end of season four to the end of season five. Um, and he came up with um, a different finale for season four. Um, which is called The Deconstruction of Falling Stars. And it is immense in scope. And it goes from from the present day, right after the events of the second to last episode of season four. And then it jumps ahead, like, I don't, I don't know the exact... Um, time frames but like I, I want to say it dumps ahead like 100 years and then like 500 years um and then a thousand years and a million years I'm not sure exactly what it is but you, you get to Whoa. see the impact it's I, I mean I mean when I say huge in scope I mean huge like it it it's showing the impact um that these people had over time um because what what they accomplished in uh in the show was meant as, you know, a huge monumental historic achievement. And then this was to show, you know, that they had bumps along the way and that it, you know, and that they weren't necessarily remembered, you know, the way that, you know, we as viewers saw the characters and, you know, academics, there's a great scene with a panel of academics in the future who are debating, you know, like their motives and who are analyzing things. Um, and it's like, you know, you as a viewer, obviously, it's like, you know, I was there. I know that's not what happened. You know, that's 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 not how Sheridan thinks. That's not how Delenn thinks. Stop, you know, psycho armchair psychoanalysis. This is not this is not good. This is all, you know, you just guys, you guys just want to seem smart, you know. Um, and, you know, but it was really it was really well done. And it, like it really sounded like, you know, academics who are, you know, and pundits who are just, you know, debating and just yeah getting everything you know kind of wrong but you know sounding really intelligent while they're doing it um and 
Yeah, and then it shows, you know, like, future wars and things that have, you know, that happen, um, but how their, uh, how what they accomplished, you know, ultimately did plant seeds for recovery from that war, um, and, you know, and then um, eventually um, a, uh, I don't want to get too detailed, basically, but basically, it, you know, it, it a rebound wraps from up that in a very and, big like, way. And it, and it gives you, you know, positive hope for the future of humanity. Um, and, yeah, and it's just, you know, it's a really imaginative way. To, it, like, it could have been a series finale. Um, you know, but as it was, it was a really great season finale. And um, I think it just a really, it's, it can't stand alone because you need to know the characters. You need to have watched the show. But, like, it kind of feels like this kind of, you know, standalone piece of art mm-hmm. to me. And what, what impact did that have on you, like, watching it and, and your view of the series? As a view of the series, I just felt like, you know, it's really... It, it felt like, you know, it makes it so much bigger um, and it makes it, you know, feel much more self-aware of, you know, ways that it can be interpreted and the ways that, you know, that the writer, you know was mindful of all of these angles, you know, and because it, it, at times it feels like a very simple show and like with very simple, with fairly simple characters. Um, but this added, you know, a whole bunch of layers to it, I think. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I guess for me, like I, I you know, I was thinking of a, of a lot of TV finales that definitely um, left their mark on me and, I think one of them would definitely be Dollhouse, which is was a short-lived Joss Whedon show. Another short-lived Joss Whedon oh, man, show. Man, Dollhouse got so good by the end. Yeah, and and the thing is, it it um they didn't know that they were coming back for a second season, and um, and they did in the end. Uh, but so yeah. they made a finale that I'm not even sure if it was aired on I don't think it was aired I think it was like the unaired finale yeah it was it was crazy so it was they they wrapped up the season and then they had an episode called epitaph one which had kind of the like the similar I guess not a million years in the future but like the inevitable aftermath um and and self-destruction of the The doll system yeah, um, and they revisited that idea and kind of ex- expanded it. Um, and they, I don't think any of the main characters were in uh, were in the first epitaph. Were in epitaph one, but then wasn't Topher in it? There was like maybe I don't honestly. I haven't watched it since two thousand and ten or whatever. You know, um, yeah, I feel like one of them was in it, but he was like shown to be like really traumatized and broken because of you know everything that had happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, that he was that definitely happened. I don't remember which one it happened in, and um, it definitely did show you a lot of different sides of the characters, uh, and take the absurd, scary, ridiculous, um, but also you know really kind of profound um, the the technology of the show and turn it into like take it to its its you know logical and illogical extreme. Uh, so like the idea of the show is that they can implant personalities into people and wipe their wipe their original personalities and so by the end they're kind of like 
they have like USB ports in their heads and they're popping in and out like different, um, you know, you're initially not in control of this, but after everything goes crazy, like you're, they're like taking things out. Not everybody can contain a lot of things. So there's one point where a woman takes something out. Somebody's like, what did you just take out? And she points to a USB on her net, on her, like a necklace that says mercy. <laughs> and like, it's just, it's <laughs> hardcore. Um, and you know, it, it's, it's really like people are, are wiping other people's personality by remote control. So like, yeah. And, and, and you have to inscribe your identity on like the small of your back where you can't see it so that other, only other people would be able to identify you. And like, if you're not who you say you are, you can't know. Yeah. Um, and like society has degraded to the point where like the, the wealthy people are basically like getting bodies, doing whatever they want, eating whatever they want, and then just transferring their consciousnesses into different bodies. It's, it's bonkers, but... And, like, small it, children are, you know, implanted with, like, killer, you know, personalities and, like, you know, so they can commit crimes because nobody suspects a child and crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, but it was a really creative thing. I think there definitely are some stumbles at the end of Dollhouse, uh, some choices that they had to make to so, wrap the story up really quickly, but yeah, at the same time, that just didn't work. Yeah, yeah. Some reveals is like, ah, it's, you thought thought of that. And I'm like, like, you just yes. needed a twist there, didn't yeah. you? That does not make any sense. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but they, they, you know, the epitaphs go to a really, I think, profound emotional place, and and conceptual conceptual place, and it's just really, yeah, those were really strong. Um finales that that even though you know i haven't i haven't like rewatched all house but like it's definitely a show that um i think has a lot of a lot of value and a lot of that is in its finales um so i haven't i haven't actually watched it and now i kind of want to watch it it's actually really good like you do have to kind of like you know skim through the or just you know kind of just just go along for the beginning yeah, yeah, I remember I watched the pilot because I like Eliza Dushku, and then I was just like, eh, I'm not going to watch it. If you but... like Eliza Dushku, then you're going to like the show because she's definitely really the weak link. The pilot, actually. I enjoyed the pilot. Um, but, yeah, I, I do, I, and I didn't find, like, a lot of people were like, eh, you had to slog through the beginning of, the se- of season one, and, like, it doesn't kick into gear until later. But I... I don't know, because I've slogged through, clearly I slogged through two seasons of Person of Interest that I didn't really hold my interest, so, like, having to slog through six episodes is not that big a deal to me. Yeah, and um, honestly, if you if you are the romantic type, then you have to watch for Victor and Sierra, and, oh my God. like, they they <laughs> also, have just... Victor, the actor who plays one of the other dolls, and Verjo Kai, um... He is phenomenal. He is so like good. they got some like really great chameleonic actors who can just become these new personalities and like totally commit to it and they're great impressionists and they're just great um just phenomenal acting skills and yeah, I think that Enver Jokai was like the star in that regard. Like I just, you know, I wanted to see him in every episode doing a completely different character and he was amazing every yeah. single time. Yeah, he is incredible. Um but yeah, it's definitely uh, yeah, it's it's really good. There's some really good twists and um yeah, it's only two seasons of like 13 episodes, so it's not a huge commitment as far as like I think they took it off Netflix though. 
Oh, did they? That's annoying. They took all of Joss's stuff off Netflix, I'm sad. Oh. But I think it might be, like, on Hulu now or maybe on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Veronica sure Mars they're... is now, actually, Veronica Mars, um, the series and the movie are now on Go90. Um, Go90.com. Oh my god, I'm getting old. I can't about, keep track but... of all these places. Yeah, no, it's like, nobody knows about it. I only found out because, like, Babylon 5 was up on, was put up on Go90, and, like, in all my little, you know, nerdy Babylon 5 circles, everybody was like, look, it's on this site! And everybody was like, what is this site? And they were like, I don't know, it looks legit, though. There is, like, like at most, there's, like, a 15-minute commercial before an ep- a 15-second commercial, rather, uh, before every, uh, before an episode, and it's not even every episode, and then you watch the whole, the whole episode commercial-free. I um, think Go90 is Verizon's. I yeah, could and be if wrong. people were like saying it's run by Verizon and it looks very above board, there are no like, you know, pop ups and there's no sketchy stuff that, you know, that is on all the other, you know, non, not legal streaming sites. So um, I think it's legit um, and I do recommend Veronica Mars, by the way. I didn't mention it as a current obsession because there are other things I'm more obsessed with right now, but I started a rewatch of Veronica Mars with a friend and uh, it's good stuff and Go90 is decent quality uh, streaming service so uh, if you're looking to to watch it you should do that there <laughs> Tamar how about you? Uh, so I was like a little bit doubtful when you suggested the theme but as I was thinking I remembered my favorite and my least favorite non-Korean finales. I could like, <laughs> go on forever about this. Um, but my least favorite is definitely Lost because it sucked. And I'm not going to get into that. And people can yell at me, but it was a horrible ending. No, it's uh, interesting. Absolute... I, I, I just want to say, like, I I didn't have that much beef with the Lost finale. I mean, definitely it did not it did not deliver, you know, ultimately on the promises of the show. But, like, by at the point that we had gotten to in the, in the final season... I was kind of okay with it. Maybe if I watched it again, I'd be like, come on, this is absurd. Uh, part of me agrees with you, but, but the rest of me is, like, just really mad that they never delivered on what we... Yeah, what, I mean... What the lead-up was to. Yeah. But it, didn't not- have, it didn't have narrative closure. It was like, for me, it was like um, the Battlestar Galactica finale. I don't know if you've either of you have seen that, but it... It, it had emotional closure for, like, the character arcs, but it didn't have narrative closure at all for any of the plot points. Yeah, that's a good description of it. But one storyline that did do this really well was actually Charmed. And I actually discussed this in our last... I discussed Charmed in our last episode. So I feel like people are like, oh my gosh, you're a huge Charmed fan. Which I am. So it's totally fine. <laughs> um, but Charmed... I don't know if either of you watched it. But Charmed's final season, was a, it was a little bit squished the final season. Like, the whole show is about these three sister witches. And they're coming into their own. And there's a lot of dating involved. And it's kind of like sex in the city but a fantasy version and a little bit less sex and a little bit more magic um, and a little bit more angst and so in the last season they did like rush a few things but they kind of made them fit really well like two of the sisters got married kind of suddenly and you're like oh but this kind of makes sense and actually on a rewatch it made sense even more because I was watched the first season and the last season so close to each other and they kind of tied up some plot points at the end that had been started in the beginning that only the most loyal crazy fans would recognize but the final season the final episode it kind of did this thing where they had this moment where they have this one big chance to get rid of the magic and then 
they do it and then they're just like their sons come from the future and are like who just fucked up our lives like we need to fix this so they fix everything and everything gets saved and magic is saved and everything's happy and then they show their lives they show like the sisters learning how to live their lives like with careers and magic and children and it's just really nice and they like it turns out that the person who's been narrating I think the last season, or at least the last episode, is actually one of the main characters, Holly, uh, Holly Marie Combs' Piper, is narrating as a grandmother. And you see, like, all these little kids running around the house, and those are their grandkids. And and the show started when, like, one of the sisters was, like, a high school graduate who didn't have a college degree, and she didn't get along with the other two. And since then, like, you saw, like, one sister die, and they found another sister. And then, like, one of them literally became the, like, queen of hell at one point because her husband was the was evil and like all this stuff <laughs> happened and like all this like angst and stuff but it the show was never about I mean just the magic it was always about how these women dealt with their lives and the show kind of showed like and it ended well and it was very hopeful and like really nice and there is definitely some sad moments in the finale like someone who you didn't really like kind of died um but it was just I don't know, I really like closure and it did, like you were saying before, like it didn't give emotional or narrative closure and like there were things that were rushed but it's still, like I look back on that and I do think it was one of the best finales ever because we know what happened, we know that they were happy, which was really what the show was about. It was about these three women trying to be happy with their lives and what was kind of their destiny. So I just really like it. Does does watching or reading finales make you guys just like like disproportionately sad <laughs> because yes. it really does to me like even if I'm like mad on a show I watched the finale of Dawson's Creek and it is the only finale I've ever uh, the only episode I've ever watched of that show and it made <laughs> me so sad because <laughs> like it's that sense of like ending and this is not you know not gonna happen again and like I mean the Friends finale like forget it I was crying so like that's crazy. actually I was about to say the Friends finale is the first ever episode I saw of Friends because I was in seventh grade when it ended and everybody was going to be talking about it. So I convinced my mom to let me watch. And I was like, didn't really know what was going on, but I still cried. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't have to know what's going on. It's just, it's the last one. So I'm going to be sad about it. I don't know. I feel like it, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it depends on the finale and how how it's structured. Um, Like, I don't know. One of the finales that, like, stands out to me um, that I love is the Voyager finale. Um, and it feels like, I don't, I don't think, I'd seen like a few episodes of Voyager, but then my brother showed me um, the finale, and the finale feels like it's its own kind of, you know, standalone mini-movie. Like, you, this is one of those things where you don't really actually need um, the, uh, the previous episodes, and like, you could just watch this straight, and then go back and watch the entire show. Like, you could watch this as kind of like, you know, kind of like a weird, you know, uh, sequel pilot kind of thing you know and would like it would introduce you to all the the major players in the in it and you know and and tell you you know what the whole story is and how it ends and then you go back and you see how they all got there um but yeah it's like it's a whole you know it's a self-contained unit so it didn't feel it felt like you know like an ending but it also felt like another episode of the show and it felt like you know and it and it was a very satisfying ending to the show and like it just feels like a complete full circle 
kind of um, development, I guess. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was because I didn't watch it as the last episode and I just watched it, you know, it, when I was already in the middle and I hadn't, you know, seen all the rest of it. So I didn't feel like, you know, oh, no, there's no more after this. Uh, but I yeah, but know. like I'm like the type of person like obviously we've documented my my growing love of parks and recreation and I'm about halfway through the final season now and I probably am just oh, not going to watch the end because Oh my gosh, I, you I have, just finished you it last to, night. But I don't want to. to. It's going to make me sad. I would rather not be sad. It would make you a little sad, but it would mostly make you happy, I think. I don't know, it confused me, but I I didn't know that this was that there was another season. So Oh, oh no, you just discovered that? <laughs> yes, yeah, so, I mean, like, I watched it on Netflix, and, and the sixth season ends pretty solidly, like, okay, it's the future, and they have kids, and this happened, and then, like, I just thought that was the end, and then <laughs> apparently there was a seventh season on Hulu that I forgot about, so I, I just watched this, and this isn't uncommon. Like, I happened to be saying this to my brother yesterday, and he's like, wait, I definitely didn't watch that final season either. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Maybe it's just a Herman thing. Oh man, yeah, but I. But what I do you think? think of end of parts and uh, parts and rec is great. I've I heard good so. things. It's I'm, I'm not not watching it because I don't think it's good. Like I'm yeah. not, I, you know, I'm not not watching it because Just I tr- trying to spare yourself emotional pain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so speaking of emotional pain, um, we haven't touched on books that much, but I I feel that we would be remiss in, um discussing endings Harry Potter book? yes <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows which I haven't read since 2007 shame on me wow I know I read it twice and then just cried my eyes out each time and was like again like I just can't revisit this um I'm I've been slowly doing a reread so I'm I am gonna read it again but like I mean I just again I remember the anticipation around that was so intense for me that, like, again, like, I, you know, consider myself a a fairly major Harry Potter fan, and, like, to the point that, like, a couple of days before the book came out, I was, like, walking around outside with, like, my hands poised above my ears in case anybody had spoilers and was talking about that. (laughs) Um, And, like, you know, just, it was, it was absurd. And, like, I remember the night, of course, it came out on Shabbos, um, and, of course, we had to eat lunch somewhere, you know, Shabbos lunch at somebody's house. (laughs) Like, of course, they were talking about it, but I don't think they knew anything. Um, And, like, just sitting down with the book after Shabbos, and, like, I got through, I don't know, maybe four, five chapters, and just, like, I got up to the part, like, after Mad-Eye Moody died, and, like, I have no particular love for Mad-Eye Moody. He's a weirdo. He's kind of He's got... We never really knew him, honestly. Well, know, no, we... we only knew the fake Moody. We, so, like, we, we knew... never really got to know him as well, a Well, we character. knew fake Moody best, but we do meet... We do see... A little uh, bit. Real Moody yeah, a couple but, like, times. We don't have, like, a deep emotional connection Right, and I don't have any deep emotional connection to him. And I just remember sitting down, like, feeling so emotionally, like, drained and exhausted. And also just being, Hedwig. Like... Also Hedwig. Yeah, of course. That, that too. It was just, like... The stakes now are so high. So unnecessary. <laughs> and well, whatever. I I just I I felt it was so. Uh, yeah, I mean, like that that to me, and you know, reading the uh, the 
epilogue, which, you know, artistically, I think probably we would have been better without, for sure. Um, but I, I do still think I know what she meant to do. Again, I, I don't, I'm not saying that justifies its presence in the book, but, like, I do appreciate the idea of, like, a vague sketch of the character's lives, like, just the, you know, the outline of where they are, um, and how they have survived. And I still think all was well is, is a nice line. Um, yeah, but. honestly, I didn't have that kind of emotionally intense reaction to, to the books. I, How? I don't think that, <laughs> I don't think that I yeah I don't think that I you know connected to to the Harry Potter series quite the same way. Like I you know I definitely enjoyed them, um, but like people talk about you know like you know being traumatized and really you know super sad that like a favorite character died, and I'm rarely like that with any books. You know, and like, um, it's just, I, I guess it's just very rarely how I process, uh, emotional, you know, relationships in books, um, and, and death in books because they are just books. I, I don't know. I've always been able to keep that separation and like, it doesn't, you know, affect me the same, quite the same way. And I remember my overwhelming feeling when I, you know, finished the book and like, you know, I got, read the end of the epilogue and all was well. And I just finished with this like big grin on my face. And I was just, I just felt so relieved and so kind of proud of JK Rowling for, you know, cause like it was, it was a feeling of you did it and you didn't screw the whole thing up. And I'm so proud of you. And I'm so <laughs> glad that you managed to pull this off. You know, it was that kind of feeling. That was my reaction the first time I ever read it. And I also haven't, haven't reread that one that often because it's, you know, it's kind of long and drawn out and not, you know, particularly tightly structured. Um, there is a lot of camping, but <laughs> it's very intense as in intense. Yeah. Um, horrible. yeah, it's a terrible pun. <laughs> I, I've seen it on the internet. <laughs> I'm not taking any credit for that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there's like lots of camping. Um, they made fun of that in like the the Harry Potter musical. They were like, "Yeah, so like, what should we do now?" Um, I think that the only thing we could possibly do now is to run and hide in the woods for months on end, and 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 just wait for new clues to happen to us. You know, and then they're like, <laughs> "Well, the medallion says that's dumb, so we're not gonna do that." <laughs> so uh, okay, but as an example of like how deeply this kind of ending like <laughs> affects me the the first very potter musical um before they go and fight voldemort in whatever set of circumstances they whipped up i forget but uh, however that worked um they sing a song called um you're not alone or something oh, like that Derek Chris's song yeah. yeah and like you know that's watching the very Potter musical that song made me cry because it was all about like <laughs> the the and I don't cry that often at like media I cry sometimes but not that often and like just literally like they all mean so much to each other they love each other so much it's so important and like <laughs> just like really really just hit me yeah, it's a very different experience for me, <laughs> but I, I appreciate that, you know, like, you know, we have our emotional reactions. Like, I saw um, the, uh, there's skyscrapers, you know, in Tel Aviv that say, you know, in Hebrew, they say, Ge'im bach gal gadot, 
Wonder Woman Shalanu, and it's like, we're proud of you, Gal Gadot, uh, our Wonder Woman, and, like, I was just, like, crying for ten minutes, like, actual tears pouring down my face, and, like, I texted a friend, and they're not, they're not Jewish, and, like, they understood part of what I was saying, and then I, you know, I had to, I, I, I kind of had to try and explain, you know, like, why this is a big deal to me, and, you know, I, like, I, I think they kind of understood, I just, I don't know, you know, when you have an emotional experience, you can't necessarily quite put it into words like that. Yeah. Um. So, Tamar, how was your uh, Harry Potter experience? Uh uh, so my Harry Potter experience was, was a little weird, but it definitely was more like Michal's. Um, I I ended up getting the book a little bit early, by like hours yeah. early. It, it, it's a really long story. My next door neighbor had is our age and he is my age and he had cancer. And someone from Scholastics thought it'd be nice to give him a copy. Um, like like they gave it to him like it came out Saturday and they gave it to him like Friday. My next door neighbor doesn't like Harry Potter, so his oh. mom, who we went over for Shabbos dinner, was like, "Do you do you want the book?" And, and I was like, "Oh yes." I had been like trying to figure out a way to get my dogs to like eat through my Harry Potter mailbox. Like like I had really been like, "Okay, if I can't get the mailman to open because it's technically illegal." I will smother the box in peanut butter and my dogs will tear it apart and hopefully not ruin the book. So I did not do that. So I started reading the book at like 10 p.m. and I read it straight through until like 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. And I realized that like nobody else was awake and even if anybody was, they hadn't finished the book yet because the book had just come out um, and nobody Jewish will have opened their copy yet. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to sleep for the rest of Shabbos and then wait for people to be ready. But um, so I think I was really just too tired to really like – uh, absorb it. The ending was cute. I, I still hate Albus Severus's name because those people both tortured Harry. Really, like whatever. I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think there was, it was nice and closure and reading it each time. I'm just like, oh, okay. Like I grew up with Harry. Like I started reading Harry when the third book came out when I was in third grade, and this was when I was in high school. So it was really nice for me to be like, oh, yay, everything ended up nice. Um. So yeah, I, I guess I have fun memories of reading, of finishing Harry Potter. Like, I just wanted to go to sleep, really. Um, <laughs> but I think it, it's a, I think it's, the last book was definitely very intense. That's a horrible plan, but I'm always going to use it. Um, there was a lot of death, and there were some deaths that I still, like, get mad at her about that seemed pointless to me. Mm, and just talks. because she needed, yeah, like, she didn't. And she didn't pay respect. They didn't get a death scene. They didn't get a scene. It's not that. It's just like they didn't get any respect. And you're just like, but you built up their relationship more so than most people's relationships in that book. And like, I. So I was mad at the movie for not even, you know, bothering to, you know, give them what they deserve. So, yeah, I really disliked the Tongs and Lupin and like why do we have to have another orphan who gets raised but at least Teddy was like raised by people who love him but yeah I guess I was I was satisfied with it as much as I could after that really lengthy book of like Ron being a baby and Harry and Hermione being weird but it was good it was all was well and I felt like that too I was like okay the book ended where it should I kind of went into it assuming that either Harry would have to die 
to kill Voldemort or and like that'd be the way to bring him down or that something would happen so that they both died so I'm happy that Harry died and he came back but so that was good yeah. But I remember that, like, in the days leading up to the to the release of the book, like, everybody was saying that, like, you know, suddenly the Vegas betting odds on Hagrid not surviving this book have gone, like, way up, you know? And everybody was like, oh, no, not Hagrid! And then I don't know where that even came from, because Hagrid was totally fine. My favorite thing was that the MuggleNet book, like, Who Will Die in Harry Potter 7, that they published, uh, had Dobby <laughs> at, like, like a hundred odds that he was fine. He was like top on the list ah! of safe characters. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. <Rolling>. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> also, I, I I vividly recall just like Yatl and I had to go get ice cream after, and just like walked up and down, and like half crying, just half eating ice cream, <laughs> like. Were you crying over the finale, like the ending, or were you crying because it was the finale of a series that you had read for years? Both, both. There were, you know, I mean, like, obviously we're all used to Fred being dead at this point, but, like, it it was... Oh, that was so sad. Yeah, it was very fresh, and, like, you know, and there are things that change in that book, you know, like, there are just some new concepts, and, like, Harry being a horcrux, and, like, things that you know, you kind of, and Dumbledore being not the greatest person, and, like, things that that you have to adjust to. So, in addition to all of that, and, like, I was, you know, a Harry Potter podcast listener, and, like, the end, the end of a fandom is always, I think, a big part of why I find, you know, finales sad. Um, But, and, and Harry Potter was definitely, that was also part of it. Um, but yeah, that was just a comment. I was sad about every part of it, you know, like just every, every single ending that was involved. I was, I was really, I think that about sums it up. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Uh, anyone else, any other things you want to mention quickly? Actually, why is this episode so Joss Whedon heavy? But, um. I was thinking because of another... he just emotionally scars us all the time. <laughs> I was thinking of another finale, um, Angel's finale, kind of. Yeah. Made me crazy. It's, I also, okay, so this is a weird thing. Okay, I, this, someone's going to get really, really mad at me. I didn't watch the seventh, I didn't watch the final season of Buffy because I read the book over the Pesach before like before I was going to watch it and I was like oh, I read the book I don't need to watch it which is weird and now I wouldn't do that but I still have never actually sat down and watched the whole season but then I started watching the last season of Angel and I hadn't previously watched the show just because I like Spike after I read the book not oh, that no. I liked him after the last I watched season of Angel is totally different from the rest of Angel so, so, so yeah so I, I mean I, I assume I figured that out really quickly but I still watched it but I still remember being really, 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 really mad at the season finale. Not because I was, like, emotionally entrenched in this show. Like, I didn't have a connection. But because the finale just fades to black. And I thought it was so annoying. Uh-huh. And I was just like, ah, oh, I was so mad it's at kinda that. It's kind of like the Animorphs finale, you know? But the Animorphs um, finale know. has some cool stuff to it. Oh, we should talk yeah, about but, that. Yeah, but, like, the, the last scene of the Animorphs finale is just basically, like, the same you know, kind of thing same kind of thing of like you know go write go write some fanfic now you know i'm not telling you the end of this battle yeah but i think the animorphs one for anybody who doesn't know the the animorphs final book pretty much had some characters die and it was in the future and you and then like it ends with them 
ramming a spaceship. Like the final few words are like ram the spaceship. And the year ship. Yeah, ram the year yeah. ship. So so the Angel one ends with Angel literally going into battle. But Against I think the forces the of hell an- that have taken over yeah. Los Angeles. So I think so I think I think Animorphs Also it was just really super rushed that whole development of like that last, you know, yeah. bad guy and then they they just were like, Hey, this has been the thing all along and I'm like, No, it wasn't. You just made this up. Yeah, so that plot was that was weird even for someone like me who hadn't really been entrenched in the show. But the Animorphs one was it was build up and like in the final book, it kind of made sense. Like it wasn't about like we're gonna win, it's that this fight is never gonna be over it's like such a huge thing and angel it was kind of like that and throughout that season we had seen like a lot of death and a lot of like characters going through some it's a big theme in buffy also right so it didn't the battle is never really won right but it but in buffy at least the battle it may not be won but it will be won today so i kind of even when i finished that and was kind of annoyed it was still like okay i know that this isn't the end of angel and i was right because they include him in the comics so yeah. and like and the apparently are... my theory of how they survived that battle was actually partly correct. Um, like there's a dragon and like flying in the background, and like so I was like, well, if I were Angel, obviously I would go and take control of the dragon and then like use it to fry all the other things. And apparently that's what he did in the comics. And I'm like, I am good. <laughs> yeah, so that's yeah. Basically, the comics are fan fiction to me. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, just to give it, you know, a shout out to a finale I found really satisfying, um, the end of the Percy Jackson, the first Percy Jackson series, um, which is just Percy Jackson and the Olympians, um, I love that ending, I think it's actually really, really well done, uh, and, and it, it feels, it kind of does all of the things you need a good finale to do, it's, it's sad, but it's also really emotional, and there's a lot of catharsis, and yeah, um, I really like that series. <laughs> Dude, I read that and I'm trying to remember what it was, but I'll just go Wikipedia later. Yeah. It's a lot to do with One last with finale Luke. for me. Yeah. Wait, you were saying? No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say that one last finale for me that I feel like I need to mention is um, the finale for Star Trek The Next Generation, which is, um, it was another one of those kind of full circle finales that, like, it goes back to basically you know something that had been set up in the pilot and then it goes back um and yeah it picks up a whole bunch of threads and it takes place in different time periods in different parallel universes and there's all sorts of stuff going on and like um it was a very nice satisfying finale for me cool any last thoughts tomorrow no i don't think i i don't know i think i talked about everything that i won't make ridiculously crazy Korean references to. You could totally make a crazy Korean reference. It wouldn't be an episode without you making one. So this is a little bit broader. Uh, sort of, not really. There's, okay, it's really long and crazy, but there was a TV show I was watching last year called Moon Lovers, and that's like the... There were two English translations. I don't remember what the other one was. Anyway, Moon Lovers... This is like the easiest way to say it. Uh, Scarlet Heart Real or something. It was really long. Anyway, it was based off of a Chinese book that was made into a Chinese TV show that like did phenomenally well. And they took the historical story and like found an equivalent story in Korean history. So pretty much the, sto- the, the TV show is about the origin of the royal 
family of a certain dynasty and how like the brothers essentially kill each other to become king. So and how there's a love story involved in that. Oh, so in I the like original the So in yeah, so in the Chinese yeah. version of the book and the TV series, there is like it's a sad ending and then last second there's a happy ending and it's really nice and there's closure. So pretty much Moon Lovers and Korean or Scarlet Heart Yo, there was like this really bizarre editing and they were sending different versions of the show to the U.S. than they were airing in Korea. So some of the show didn't actually make sense when people were watching it online on, like, Drama Fever, which is one of the main platforms to get Korean TV shows, or Asian TV shows, foreign TV shows, I guess. They have a lot of other stuff, too. And so, like, I would go on Twitter after, and people would be freaking out, like, what just happened? Why did that happen? Was there some buildup that we didn't see? And yes, people in Korea were seeing a different show than we were. So the show itself was very frustrating to watch and nobody has any idea why. And I reached out on multiple occasions to get like <laughs> question, like quotes from people. Like, do you know why they aired a different version? Like, did they go back into post-prod like production the day of airing? And that's why you couldn't get another version to air. Um, so that was that, but so the last episode, they actually changed the ending and just were like, nope, we're going to have a sad ending. We're not going to have a happy ending, even though the whole point of the show is that like, like it's a horrible living in history. And in the future, the two of them have a happy ending. Like the main couple have a happy ending. So after this whole show where like everybody's emotions were going crazy because we literally weren't seeing the show and we'd randomly have this plot development that we're like, how did that happen? Why is he acting like this? We didn't have any backstory of this. Like there was literally this one scene where they're like the main couple is arguing and then suddenly he kiss, kisses her really, really aggressively. And apparently, and like nobody had any idea where it came from. They hadn't even liked each other until like a minute before that happened. And apparently in the Korean version for the past two episodes, they had been flirting. And we were just like, what just happened here? We're really, <laughs> really confused. So it was very like crazy in the first place. But in the final episode, they just were like, nope, that's it. We're just stopping it. And they stopped it in a really weird way. And there was this weird product placement thing that nobody really figured out why it was there except product placement. And the show just ended. And everybody was just like watching this and, and just like, that's not how this is supposed to end. And like, if you were going to end it a different way and have it like really dramatic and have a sad ending that'd be fine but literally they just like flatlined the last five minutes of the show and kept it a sad ending and had this weird scene where she goes into a makeup store and you expect the guy like his future reincarnation to walk out and he doesn't and it was just really really confusing and you're just like the show is a total nightmare but we all watched it and got really invested into it for no reason whatsoever except that there was a lot of really handsome guys in it um and it was it was actually interesting except when you randomly were like what is going on which happened way too much for my own pleasure but it had only like 20 episodes so i watched it but then everybody who was watching it either knew either had watched it or read the chinese version or knew of it so we were all like so it has a happy ending so it's okay to go through all this craziness and then they didn't and we're just like i get changing source material but why? And we st <laughs> I still don't know. And I still am really upset. And I need to go watch the Chinese one to get closure. And I'm just too lazy. Aw. So I guess it's... the moral of the story would be, you know, make sure the ending is the actual ending. <laughs> it's really weird. And I think it's definitely, like, up there for worst endings ever. And worst edits ever of a TV show. But it was just really confusing. And I don't know. If you ever want to watch a Korean TV show, don't pick that one ever. <laughs> ever. Like, 
I can't even explain to you how how crazed it made people. I literally wrote an article like, what the hell happened with this? Because literally people didn't know that they were airing another version in Korea. And they were just like, how did this happen? Also, this is even crazier. It was, I think NBC produced it. NBC co-produced it. And it was supposed to be the show that they were going to try to like break into the Korean market with. And then it bombed horribly. And so in Korea, most TV shows are are live produced so like they're literally filming up until like an hour before it airs or editing until an hour before it airs and filming that week so they work on really crazy tight schedules like if it's airing on monday for the first night for the first show they probably didn't even finish filming until thursday so so this show was not like this the show they were it was a pre-produced show and so nobody understands why there were two different versions of this and with nbc and several big korean companies investments why this show was such a disaster editorial wise like it's it's as someone who's like edited video it doesn't make any sense like literally they would cut scenes halfway through a conversation and you're just like what just happened like what is going on here and nobody has any idea what happened and it was just really weird and the finale kind of summed that up in in a really weird like f you kind of way so fork (laughs) you everybody and, and I have no idea why. And like it, when we when you mentioned like finales, that kind of made you crazy. I was like, oh my gosh, this one made me insane. Like literally, I threw a pillow against the wall because after all the stress of watching the show, that it was had so much potential, and each episode just showed more and more and more and more how bad it could you could ruin potential. Like how how badly people could just like mess up something. Be good. It had so many really successful actors in Korea. It had like it had some who weren't so great, but it was really well done and the story was interesting, but just like the way that they paced it made no sense. And then we were hoping that the ending at least, okay, like it's still a romance, so it has a happy ending. And, and nope, here, you wanna buy some makeup? <laughs> it was horrible. I like, can't even <laughs> So uh, while Tamar uh, recovers from <laughs> from Moon Lovers, uh, SM, where can we find you on the internet? Um, you can find me on uh, Facebook and on Amazon uh, and on Twitter at Floating Spirals. Floating Spirals is my Twitter name, but I'm hardly ever there. Awesome. And uh, uh, <laughs> and Tamar, how about you? Uh, I can be found at TamarHerman.com. At and Moon Lovers was, at- a, was a scam. <laughs> uh-huh. At oh, Moonlovers. Uh, <laughs> Moonloversvisascam.com would be great. Um, <laughs> no, you can find me, my my writing mostly at Billboard, uh, more of it compiled at TamarHerman.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TamarWrites. And you can find me on Twitter at InkEzrain, and you can find my writing at Hypeable.com, and an article about Wonder Woman on GrokNation.com. Which Ooh, is my yay! Alex website. It was a good article, everybody go read it. Uh, thank you. Um, and you can find us nice Jewish fangirls, of course, at our home at jewishcoffeehouse.com, which has recently been redesigned, and there's lots of great Jewish interest podcasts for you to listen to over there. As for us, you can find us on Twitter at Jewish Fangirls. You can find us on Facebook at Nice Jewish Fangirls. You can email us at NiceJewishFangirls at gmail.com. We'd love to speak to you and hear your thoughts and feelings on, well, pretty much and any your subject. on... And your reviews on iTunes. <laughs> yes, and please, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help. 
Uh, I've actually noticed that like we're not coming up as much in the search, which is a bummer. Uh, and you can help by just leaving us a very simple rating and review on iTunes, and we'd really, really appreciate it. Please, 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 please make it our Shavua present us. We don't need flowers. We can yeah. give them reviews. Yeah, I mean, it, it I'll take even that or cheesecake. Like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that that or cheesecake, it's up to you. But you have to do. I one. don't like cheesecake. I'd rather flowers. Me neither. I'd rather reviews. I don't like cheesecake. Okay. Well, how about ice cream? I'll take that. All right. <laughs> In a pinch, I guess I'll take chocolate. Okay. So dark chocolate. So to recap, you can give <laughs> SM dark chocolate. You can give Tamar ice cream. You can give me cheesecake or you can just leave us a review on itunes much it's, easier that it's way, way simpler it's that way everyone will be happy one of those things is free just a hint yes exactly <laughs> just a few moments of your time anyway we hope you had a wonderful shavuos holiday if you celebrate thank you so much for listening and live long and prosper everyone bye